0: What's going on, guys? This is the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, presented to you by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, Massachusetts, Michigan New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Boots to same-game parlays, live in game mods, WinBet has what you need to win. If you've been $100, you're going to get $100 at WinBet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the SGPN Final Four Watch Party at Sports Gambling Podcast. This Saturday, sweat out your bets and win prizes with Brian, Sean, and Colby over on the YouTube.com Sports Gambling Podcast. That's YouTube.com Sports Gambling Podcast. That's All right, we are going to talk about some rookie sleepers. Everyone is talking about rookies. Everyone has rookie fever, and it is a month until the draft day today. But we, we've talked about Bijan Robinson thoroughly. <laughs> everybody's talked about Bijan John Robinson and all the QBs and everything. So we are going to talk about some of our sleepers um, and who better to bring on the show than my guy, John. How are you, sir? I'm
1: doing great, Dave. And thanks for having me on. I think you reached out to me about two weeks ago or something. So I'm all excited. I love this time of the year. It is my favorite March and April, man beginning of spring training, fantasy baseball, NCAA tournament. Go Huskies, by the way. And then we have the NFL draft. You know, I just, I really do. I love the spring, especially in the Northeast. It's a long winter up here. So we finally got some nice weather. So, yeah, I just love this time of the year.
0: Well, and make sure you give a follow to John. He does a great job. Him and Matt, rookie big board. The funny, show, the funny story I had from last year was my brother was telling me, hey, there's this really good show, no offense, um, that I watch. And I'm like, listen, I watch all, I watch shows all the time. And he was like, yeah, they do like these short videos on player profiles. And it's uh, Matt and John. They're, they're really – I'm like, yeah, like I know those guys. So, um, he, but he was recommending your show to me. And so it was always funny. But he he felt like he was offending me by telling me he was listening to somebody else. And I was like, nah, listen to those guys too, man. Um, thank you.
1: That's very kind. And thank your brother for me.
0: Yeah, and so football diehards, you also work for them as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually my 10th year doing my player profiles for the football diehards. I cannot believe I'm a decade into this. I I did it because at the time, you know, now it seems like ancient history, 2014. Um, I, I just felt there wasn't a lot of people in the space from a pure fantasy, you know, Obviously, I love the NFL, but I really just do the skilled positions. There were some people out there, but not a ton. So I said, "Let me jump in this space. I think I have a different perspective." You know, I've been watching football at that time for thirty years. You know, now I'm on to forty. So I jumped in, and I and and as long as they're willing to print my stuff and people like you have me out, I'll keep doing it. I just love this game.
0: Well, and so forty years. I mean, you're not old enough for that. So you must have been watching it like day one when you came out?
1: Oh, my God. I'll say this. When it first came out, when I heard ESPN have the draft live, I didn't have cable at the time. So (laughs) I had to wait two years. My first draft live was 1985. And it was literally the greatest day of my life. I think I sat glued to the TV. And if you don't know for our views, for all you youngsters, it used to be on Tuesday mornings at 10 o'clock. So my mom let me skip school and I watched the draft on ESPN on a Tuesday morning. And then they slowly, by the nineties, they started to change it and everything, but it was glorious. There must've been nearly like 50 other people watching Tuesday, whatever it was, April, 1985 on ESPN. And that was the first time I remember seeing Mel Kiper. I mean, he was, there was no such thing as a draft expert. And I'll say to anyone who doesn't like Mel You got to understand his historical significance. We all get players wrong. He's been doing this for 40 years, man. That's incredible. And there was no one else in 1985. I mean, he was the guy, the face of the draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's come a long way. And so I want to talk about your process. And we're going to get into our quarterback sleepers. And so today's show is really going to be about the sleepers. Because you're not gonna, you know, you don't have every pick in the first round or second round. You're gonna have to get second and third round and fourth round picks. And, you know, at the end of the day, the best draft is maximizing the value of your picks. And that one pick in the first round is is not gonna be your entire draft. Most of your picks are gonna be in the second, third, and fourth round. Um, so John, can you talk a little bit about your quarterback process here?
1: Sure. The process actually begins about June. The draft is over. I have a month to relax. I kind of digest a little bit, do some family time, end of the school year. Then I start doing my college fantasy football analysis, my articles. I got my rankings up, but then I break them down and I actually do my write-up analysis. At the same time, I'm doing my Debbie prospects. What I do in July and August is I watch film. I've been watching C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young since last June, essentially, Same to Anthony Richardson, I'll be honest, not as much. I wasn't sure he was going to come out this year. After the Utah game, I watched more live action of Anthony Richardson. But I start taking notes and ranking the players in the summer before. So then I have a good grasp of the player pool throughout the season. If there's a player on and they're on a Saturday night game or if they're on a Saturday afternoon game and they're my top five, top ten quarterbacks, I'm going to watch the player. And one, this one game, I want I, I waited for a year and a half for this game. Fresno State came to UConn in the fall this year. I was so looking forward to Jake Hayner. And and Jake Hayner didn't play, I was so mad. He was injured, I think, for two or three weeks. He missed the UConn game. I wanted to see him live because I love – I've seen so many good players. I've had season tickets for 12 years. Yukon UConn football, I've seen so many good players live, you know, so I start the process in June slash July watching film, and then I take notes throughout the season, I, I might be a little bit different, maybe because it's I'm older of a different generation, I literally watch games with a notepad, and I have folders over on there where I have like file cabinets, and I'll have like a folder in December of Bryce Young. And it'll have like seven or eight games that I watch live. And I'll just take things like moved well in the pocket, made a big play, a nice bomb, you know, and I'll take like, did they make too many timeouts? Did, what did I see in the huddle? How was the offense moving? Like just game live notes. And then what I actually do in January is I take my notes and I cross check with my film. Like, did I see what I think I saw? If that makes any sense. Right. Live in the game, you might miss something. Maybe I'm flipping a channel, you know, like there's a turnover that I didn't see and I miss something. But then I'm cross-checking what I saw during the season live with what I'm breaking down on film.
0: Yeah, and so when you look here, and so uh, Brad, Little little uh, vindicated here whenever I see John's list. And I will say, last time I was on a show with John, we were like pretty lockstep. And it made me feel pretty good about my rankings and so C.J. Stroud, one, Bryce Young, two, Anthony Richardson, three, Hennon Hooker at four. That's actually all three of us have Hennon Hooker at four. And so this is a outlier podcast. And then <laughs> Will Lil Levis at five, um, Jay Kaner. And then I was telling him I have DTR as my six. And so um, I was a little embarrassed when I saw how close my list was to Chris Sims. And, uh, <laughs> and I had to, to reevaluate my life, life decisions um Stetson Bennett and then Aiden O'Connell but you know the scholars grade going through passing efficiency and things like that love to see this the, the benchmarks surpassed and you know very similar I, I think about Parcells and yeah. and does that
1: have something to do with this oh I mean I, I've been listening to Parcells I remember when he was a defense I think he was a linebackers coach with the Giants in the late 70s then he got the job and Parcells was a big believer in 30 games started so, yep So when I started my model, let's see, when did I first plug in the model? Probably like eight years ago. Like, I didn't know what a model was in 2014. I was just going off passing yards and touchdowns and yards per attempt. And when I started the model, I started to do a little research with the 30 games mark. And you know what? It matters. Like, it just simply matters historically. Of course, there's always outliers. But if you had been listening to me a couple years ago, I warned people about Trey Lance and I don't have a single share in the dynasty league of Trey Lance. And I said, not only was he playing at the FCS level, I think he had what, 14 starts. That was such a massive red flag in my book. I'm a big believer in it. And I've said this where I missed, where I took a big mistake last year. I didn't pay enough attention to Brock Purdy. I think he had 48 starts. That's and right. I should have I listened to my model more. Now, I didn't think he'd go out and have that much. He was Mr. Irrelevant. So I wasn't the only one who had questions about Brock Purdy. But what I went back and I kind of thought, he knew how to call plays in the huddle. He could read a book. He was the alpha male in the huddle. He knew how to not make mistakes. And you know why he could do all those things? number of games played. I'm convinced of it. He understood what Shanahan was telling him. So games played matter in my book. Uh, so that's, and I, I mean, historically, it's been true.
0: hundred percent. And so um that's, that's the exact point I was going to make is that everyone's going to look for their Brock Purdy. And so I wrote an article this year and I talked about the NIL and how it's going to affect the, especially the quarterbacks coming out. And um, historically, in the last 10 years, there's an average of 10 quarterbacks drafted in the NFL. Everyone else goes to undrafted free agency or XFL, USFL or, or practice squad. And so you're going to see more guys that are probably, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders staying back, collect an NIL check and then, in a, you know, go into the league a year later until the rookie salaries catch up. Not till 2029. But when you're looking at it, it's a copycat league. Everyone's going. We missed on Brock Purdy. What did we do wrong? And exactly what you're talking about is exactly what Move the Sticks talked about. Is that game experience matters. You look yeah. at someone like Anthony Richardson in 19 games. He's not seen all the different kind of exotic fronts and defenses that you can see. And and uh, you know you got you know you got Brock Purdy or, or DTR that could teach him a thing or two. And those guys are coming to the league and they are seasoned. They could start day one, and so one thing they talked about, uh, they said, uh, you know, um, they said, listen, if you had a game, if you had a game, and your your life was on the line, your kids' lives was on the line, whatever, you want Will Levis or Henn and Hooker starting that game today if everyone's healthy, and Bucky Brooks was like, oh, just Henn and Hooker, it's not even close.
1: I yeah. don't even think it's close, dude. Henn Henn H- and H- Hooker.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and so, um, so I, I mean, I, I've been you know a pretty pretty uh, strong on my Henn and Hooker take. Since, uh, you know, three months ago saying, I think he's a first round pick. Um, And then, you know, it was very interesting to see him and Will Levis four picks apart in Daniel Jeremiah's last mock draft, pick 19 and pick 23. I think Hendon Hooker is closing the gap. And I think you're going to see, I think you do see him in the first round, maybe not pick 19 or 23. But I do think in the late 20s or something like that, you see Hendon Hooker go off the board. And I think he's going to raise stock for your dynasty. And so Hennon Hooker is one of the first guys I do want to talk about. And so um, looking at it, John, quarterback, sleeper, you picked Hennan Hooker.
1: I like the film. I understand that there's some challenges. One, the Josh Heupel offense is ultra productive, and he just is throwing sometimes into wide open windows. I understand that. But he'll also throw dimes. 40 yards down the field and not everyone can do that. So does he, I don't see a lot of anticipatory throws and that's a little concerning because I do believe at the NFL level, the the great ones make anticipatory throws. You don't have to do that in Hypeful system because he's skiing guys to get open on the wide side of the field. But I think he has the skill set and the intelligence to learn that. And when I, I liked him last year too, and people thought I was crazy. I popped them in my model last year, and I was like, wait a second. I literally said, am I looking at these numbers right? Like, I looked in the model. I'm like, why is he not getting discussed? Like, I understand it's a little bit gimmicky. Maybe you didn't love him at Virginia Tech. But my model says, hello, hello. Get off your (laughs) subjective analysis. At the end of the day, it's about two things. Putting the ball in the end zone and winning football games. And Josh a, 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 and Hendon Hooker did it. And then I then when I put my numbers in, he's the only quarterback this year who had six of six in all the benchmarks. His numbers are silly. I like the film. I'm not saying he's the greatest arm talent. And I'll say I have a second round great. And I know the NFL is pushing him up the board. I still think there's some challenges in his game. I'm not moving them off a second-round grade because I don't – the quarterback position is supply and demand. You're going to get players picked who don't deserve it. I would love to have seen Hendon Hooker go late second round to a playoff team. You know, like that that would have been perfect. But you know what? The NFL needs a quarterback so bad. And I'll say this. I think people are readjusting to their mistakes on Jalen Hurts. They're saying we all screwed up. I didn't. I had Jalen Hurts number three. I love Jalen Hurts coming out of Oklahoma. You can go back and see my rookie big board. I was like, "What are people missing?" And now I think they're almost going the other way. I still think Jalen Hurts was a better prospect than Hendon Hooker. He was bigger. He was better in my book. But Hendon Hooker is definitely the guy I want. I hope he doesn't go top fifteen. You know, the word I I'd like to see him go to a team that can help him. And has some parts around him.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, Washington and Tampa are, are they're interested. They're they're very interesting spots. If somebody like the the Raiders or the Falcons were to not take a quarterback round one and then have him early round two or trade up, um, I think if if the Ravens with uh, the Todd Monken, if they were to you know let's say they do make a trade and Lamar Jackson's traded. Which uh that's in a whole nother another podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I am you know, we've talked about Hen Hooker quite a bit. Let's move on to the other players. before before we do that, let's talk about the sponsors. Brad. Yeah. So Winbet is an
2: official online sports book of the Sports gambling Podcast Network. Winbet is now active in Massachusetts and a ton of other states. So be on the lookout for WinBet win hour every Thursday from five to six PM Eastern time. During the WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds at WinBet, which gives you a larger payout opportunity. And, as we all know, and we talked about a little bit earlier, March Madness is here, and there are so many ways to bet on the big dance. So sign up today and receive our special offer, bet $100, get $100. That is limited to state availability. And, of course, for our d if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There are so many things to choose from. All you have to do is head over to winbet.com or download the winbet app. Offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions of winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through winbet is available. If you're someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And the Masters is coming right around the corner. And if you're looking to hang out with our two guys, Sean and Ryan, at the Stadium Swim and watch the biggest golf tournament in the world, you can by winning a three-night stay at the Circa Las Vegas to hang out with those guys. The contest is completely free, and all you have to do is go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash party. Again, that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash party. And, hey, look, for, if you don't win, it's okay because you can still book a room at the Circa using our promo code SGP15. And we are also hosting a final four watch party and it is going to be virtual as well. So hang out with the guys on their YouTube channel for the entire Saturday of the final four action, where we'll have live bets, prize giveaways and much more subscribe to youtube.com slash sports gambling podcast. And make sure you tune in on Saturday.
0: All right. And we're going to talk more about, and and, and big shout out to UConn. If you don't have a team, there's an easy one to pick right there. Um, we got DTR for me and Jaron Hall for Brad. So I want to see where they fit on the, uh, uh, on. And so we got 10 and seven on the model. And so Brad Jaron Hall, 22 starts. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on him as a sleeper?
2: Yeah. So for me, you've got, he's a little bit of a shorter quarterback, right? Six foot, 207 pounds. But the guy's thrown from a production standpoint, the last two years, pretty solid 5,700 plus yards. 51 touchdowns to only 11 interceptions, so it takes care of the ball, plus he has a little bit of legs to him. He's not a rushing first quarterback, but he knows how to navigate the pocket, he knows the feel, and he can get out and get a first down using those legs, as evidenced by that 700-plus yards rushing that he's had over those two years. Now, look, I'm not saying this guy's a day-two pick. He's likely a day-three pick, late-day-three pick, if that, but he could find himself onto a team really because of his ability to prepare for football games, his ability to command a huddle. And you can see that whenever you watch BYU play. This is a guy that can get out on the field and he demands the team to pay attention. He he drives the offense well. And he's actually a pretty athletic quarterback from that standpoint also, right? He's got the ability to touch some throws. He can read an offense very well. He can read a defense very well. Uh, You know, some of the things that knock against him, he's not going to throw a 30-mile-an-hour, you know, or a 100-mile-an-hour fastball in between two, uh, you know, a corner and a safety in a tight spot. That's not his game. He's not going to be able to do that. He's going to be looking to feather that ball over coverage in between that type of throw. The other thing that I really like about Jaron Hall, just from a quarterback perspective, and and it's kind of come up to fruition here over the the last few years, is He was a baseball player as well. He played baseball at BYU in 2018 and 2019 before he really decided to focus on football because he was going to be able to be the starting quarterback for the BYU Cougars in 2021 and 2022. Um, So, look, like I said, I think he's a backup quarterback, but you can find this guy in a really good situation that may be worth a look on a taxi squad and kind of see how that team comes to fruition.
0: Yeah. And we put up Jaron Hall's video and he had some defenders when um, we put our draft profile video out there and uh, you know, not comparing him to Zach Wilson as far as the defense he's playing against the schedule and all that. Um, and, and like you said, Jaron Hall and, and the guy I'm going to talk about, you we have, have Bryce young possibly the number one pick of the entire draft. If, if um, size and, 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 and height and weight are going to be uh, okay for him, then these guys are fine. And so um, you know, with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you're looking at a player that fit right into John's model because of how much he's played, but he's also, he's 6'2", to go with that 203-pound frame, so he's got plenty of room to put on some space and not, you know, I think they call Russell Wilson a sack of potatoes, um, to not not look so dumpy out there. Uh, but t- he's, he's one of the best rushers in the class, and as far as arm, He's got one of the strongest arms in the class. He was throwing velocity up there with Will Levis. And as far as you're looking at measurements, 4.5640, 32 and a half on the vertical, and 10 and one inch for the broad jump. This guy is an athletic quarterback, and everybody is looking for that type of quarterback in this league. You're <coughs> you're looking for upside. And these pocket passers are really kind of going to the wayside, um, but he's not a rush only quarterback. He's got plenty of passing. Love his experience. Love his leadership. And you know, when you asked him who he models his game after, and you think this guy's a rushing quarterback with his build and everything, I asked him directly at the combine, "Who do you model your game after?" Aaron Rodgers. And you know, Pat, he was Patrick Mahomes before he's Patrick Mahomes. I know Rodgers' curmudgeon and and really not everyone's favorite cup of tea right now, but he was pretty fun coming out, and he was that creative out of the pocket sidearm kind of a, a thrower and Thompson could be that next. So let's go into the running backs. Um, we want to, you know, kind of move along a little bit. And with the running backs, um, it's, you know, there's so many, it's such a deep deep class of running backs that I want to, I want to make sure that we get a chance to talk about all of our guys. Cause we picked three of them. Um, so with, you know, with the next guy, John, what What's one sleeper um, running back that you'd like to talk about?
1: I'm going to talk about my favorite, which is Eric Gray. And I really wanted to put him in my top 12 because I feature my top 12 on the football diehards. And he's at number 13. I tried and tried. And I'm like... How can I take Zach Evans or uh, Devin H. Shane or Tank Bigsby, Dwayne McBride? I can't take them, but it shows you how deep this class is. I'll say a couple things really popped for me on Eric Gray on the film. One, he learned how to run between the tackles. He was so much better this year. At Oklahoma, than he had been previously in the two years at Tennessee or last year in 2021 at Oklahoma. I thought he was so much tougher. He had better vision and faster feet between the tackles. Then I put him in my model. I guess I never really realized he was 209 pounds. And then at 5'9, his BMI, like he's kind of got that perfect size, frame, power, you know, he's quick. He's hard. There's not a lot of body to bring him down. And then the the, the Sunday or the cherry on the Sunday for the um, stupid cliche, 99 career receptions. He's a three down back. I love Eric Gray. Hoping he ends up on day two that the NFL likes him even more than I do right now. But I think he's definitely a day three, fourth round pick at worst.
0: Well, you don't have to sell me on Eric Gray. Um, Everyone that's watched the show, that's my guy. And so I was a little sad to see him on your list, but I was also very happy because I could see here somebody else talk about my guy, Eric Gray. And so um, I I think with him, like you have a lot of these guys that have good production in the receiving game. What's different is he is a weapon in the receiving game. Probably after a chain and, and Gibbs, I would put him as my third as far as the best pass catchers in this class. He's someone that can line up in the slot, run routes out of the backfield. He's just and and we talked to him, you know, talked to him about the combine about you know, his kind of favorite route and things like that and he was like, there's not a linebacker that can cover me. <laughs> like cuz they were like, you know, what he's like, well, I mean, you bring a safety, it's fine. Like he is very confident in his game as as a pass catcher. And I think teams are going to boost him up for that. There's a ton of good running backs in, in the NFL already, but not all of them know how to pass, pass, you know, had a pass catch and not all of them are comfortable out there in space, running routes, doing those kind of things, and creating separation while they're, while they're doing it. Um, and and uh, at the senior bowl, they talked about, you know, Tajay Spears absolutely was the, um, the bell of the ball. But Lance Zerline said, listen, eh, 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 not so fast. Let's talk about Eric Gray. And he said, I actually have Eric Gray graded higher, higher than Ty J Spears, and I have him graded as an average to above average starter in the NFL. So, um, you know, Gray is someone that I know is a little bit older of a prospect. He doesn't have you – know, he's not, not 5'11", 225, but he does have that skill set where he can rush, he can pass. I mean, he can rush and receive, and he's a good he's a good pass blocker as well.
2: Brad, who do you got for us? Uh, so I'm going to go with a guy that's a whopping 30 minutes from here playing at Pitt, and that's going to be Israel Omniconda, 5'11", 215. He just just got moved into my top five about two days ago. Come on, and join the team. To stay. Come on, join the team. Yeah. I, look, this dude has – that size-speed combination that you want to see. He's a track star. Look, he's got every – he can do everything. He can catch the ball. 36 catches over his career. We saw increases from year to year to year in his three seasons with Pitt, whether you want to look at PFF rushing grade, whether you want to look at attempts, yards per attempt, yards, touchdowns, everything went up every single year saying, hey, Pitt – And that coaching staff realized we can rely on this guy. We don't have Kenny Pickett this season. We don't have Jordan Addison this season. Let's lean on our best player, give him 1,400 yards and 20, count it, 20 touchdowns. So I think he's a great fit for some of these zone scheme systems Uh, is really where I want to see him go. Uh, if he can hit, if he knows where the blocks are, he can hit that hole and use his speed to go. I think where he's going to be most beneficial. I'm going to tell you right now, if he can manage to get day two draft capital in Atlanta, I am going to. I, it's going to be hard for me not to be that guy that moves <laughs> from five to one like like I'm not going to do that but I am very high on him at this point. And if he gets that draft capital, it's just going to lock him in even further.
0: Yeah. And he had 30 receptions the year before. Um, so the, you know, the, the offense has changed, but uh, he's definitely one of our favorite guys. And every time we do those mock drafts, we could take him in the third round every freaking time, because for whatever reason, he's going at the end of the third rounds and mock drafts. And it's just blasphemy, yeah. but um, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you two my, my two guys. I'm gonna go back to Brad chase Brown, He's just – he's not getting enough pup. This guy is a – he's a workhorse. He is – everyone's looking for that guy that, like, can possibly – he did it. You, he had almost 400 touches last year. He was the entire offense, so you're seeing someone – he's a little bit smaller than what you're looking for, but can he carry that type of workload? Yes, and he did it in the Big Ten. And, and he knocked out the combine. I just – I think, you know, the senior bowl was strong. Everything you're hearing about this guy is is going well. He, he's he's not in my top five running backs, but he 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 could be very close to that at the end of the season, especially with this draft capital. There's big chunks of guys in these tiers that draft capital is going to help sort that out for us. And the end, what the NFL thinks about these guys is extremely important to me, much more important than the landing spots. So Chase Brown gets round three, and Eric Gray gets round six. I gotta reevaluate what's going on. I don't think that's gonna happen, but if it happens, that tells me a lot. And so, but Chase Brown is a guy that I just don't think people are talking about enough. Extremely well-built guy. He's just the, the comparison to him. When someone said Doug Martin, I was like, yeah, like he's just he's a little shorter, but he is just jacked. And uh, this guy is is a power runner, but he can also muscle hold. hamster. Right? Is was Mus- his nickname? Muscle <laughs> hamster. So. If you look back at the Senior Bowl, this guy had his his jersey, his jersey pants uh, tucked into his, his pads, and it was a little uh, A.J. Dillon-style quadzilla. This guy, is, uh, he's, he's very well built. And then Evan Hull. I just wanted to talk about him again, a pass catching back. When you talk about fantasy football production, it's it's a weighted opportunity when you're talking about receptions and targets versus carries. And so this guy is someone that can do those things. Not saying he's Austin Eckler, not saying that, but I'm saying this guy can be used in, in the passing game, like an Austin Eckler. You see how they used him out of the backfield, line him up in the slot, all the different ways where he was used. And I like to see that as far as college production, you know, you go back to high school, you go back to college, the best player is going to demand the ball. The The team is going to give their best player the ball. And my, both my guys, Hall, And and Brown, they were the they were the best players on their offenses and they were absolutely offenses ran through them. And I love to see that. And, you know, with with Hall, I'd like to see a little bit more juice. I think that's my biggest concern with him. He doesn't have he's not a big burst kind of a guy. But I I do think he's he's one of those guys that if he gets that James White, Naheem Hines kind of a role can be some somewhat of a, a fantasy asset at some point. Johnny got one more for actually Brad, who's your next?
2: Yeah. So my last guy is going to be Roshan and he is currently number nine for me in my rankings. And this is just a big dude. And this is kind of my forte, right? I like these big power backs, old school, right? 6'2", 225 pounds, and is not afraid to just run through somebody. This is, look, he didn't have a ton of carries, but he literally made a guy miss. Every other carry that was the, that's basically the statistic, all of the force miss tackles that he had versus carries. It's about a two carry to one miss tackle rate. Like that's what this guy can do for you. He's got great contact balance. He looks, he's looked good all three seasons. He's never been below five yards per carry. Now you do expect that efficiency to drop a little bit as the carry load goes up. Obviously I'm not saying he's a six yards per carry guy at the NFL level or anything like that, but he's got the size. He's got that tackle breaking ability. And I just think he's, a uh, you know, some of these guys that they're going to look at at in the red zone, that Jamal Williams style, right? Uh, that Detroit utilized last season. That type of mentality is what I think Roshan's going to turn into.
0: Well, John likes your guys four and seven. His model likes your guys four, <laughs> yeah. four and oh, seven. So, John, anything on either one of those guys that we just spit out there?
1: Yeah, I think Israel, like Abanda Kanda, is by far the best deal right now in dynasty football. The ceiling is massive and you're paying. A third round dynasty pick. And you would mention that if he goes to Atlanta, I have dreams of Miami. I mean, if he got into that Mike McDaniel offense and they could just get him on a lane on the outside, he he has a sprinter's background. He's one of the best sprinters in high school in the state of New York. He's yeah. legitimate once he has a lane in the open field.
0: Yeah. And so you have one more for us, one more running back, John.
1: Yeah, number, I like number 10, Dwayne McBride. Now, some people have a massively high. He is a G5 prospect, and I factor in that G5 prospects are a little more challenging to make it at the NFL level. The numbers are just against them, but he's 215 pounds. I love his feet and his ability to run between traffic. He might not have the long breakaway speed that you love, But he's an NFL back, and he can play on the goal line. He's only got five receptions. I don't know if he can catch. All I know is when I watch UAB, they don't throw to to any running backs. It doesn't matter. But I can't say he can. I can't say he can't. There's nothing on film with five. I don't have a sample size. So that's got to be a little concerning. But UAB is not a program that's throwing flares or wheel routes to its running backs.
0: Yeah, and and so um, I did get to talk to him at at the Combine as well, and he goes by Debo McBride. I wonder Uh if if Sleeper's going to catch on to that. But um, I said, hey, is there a part of your game that people need to know more about? And he was like, I can catch. And they were like, you know, kind of someone followed up and said, why why didn't you – and he said, I was running the ball for 170 yards a game. They didn't need to pass it to me much. So, I mean, it was a good response, and uh, I I definitely – I think he's getting a lot of those, you know, different different conference, different kind of player, but similar kind of uh, Ken Walker last year. You know, we haven't seen it, so there's a lot of nerves on whether they can do it or not, and it's just a lot easier to believe something that you've already seen versus hope for something you haven't seen yet. So um, we got we have wide receivers and tight ends coming up in a second, but I do want to talk to you guys about our other sponsor, and that is Underdog Fantasy. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Underdog Fantasy continues their March Madness college pick'em. is a great way to get on the action, especially if your bracket is busted like everybody except for Johns. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props and great NBA and NHL daily games. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right. And uh, I I do got to throw this out there. So, we got a shirt that's coming out. They're probably going to give me the link tonight. And the shirt is going to be for everyone, but it's going to be especially for those people that have that glorious 101. And the shirt is going to be very clear. It just says, I own the 101. And so, I'm looking forward to that coming out because it's whether you're going to sell it or you're going to pick Bijan, it's a flex. And having the 101 (laughs) this year is absolutely a flex compared to the others. And so let's talk about the receivers because I do think this is a good receiver class, not a great receiver class. And, you know, I I do a lot of PFF mocks and stuff and I'm like, man, dries up pretty quick compared to the running backs. Um, when When you're looking at this class, John,
1: who's a sleeper receiver that people need to keep an eye out for? My number one sleeper, and he's actually in my top 10. It is Jaden Reed of the Michigan State Spartans. I think he's totally being overlooked in this draft class. 5'11", 187. So he, he's, he's not giant, but 187. In this group, we got a lot of these guys smaller than we thought they would be. 187 is a very nice size. 5'11". Of course, we would love the long arms and we six love 6'1", but I'll take 5'11". He is a tough wide receiver. He is difficult to bring down one-on-one. He fights for the football. He can play on the boundary. He's clearly a Z receiver. I think his size might limit. It. I'm not sure if you would play him at the X, you know, like 80% of the downs like a Julio Jones, but you could move him in motion. You could put him out there once in a while. Maybe you create a mismatch. But if, I don't think you could line him up, you know, 70% of the time strictly on the X. But you can play him at the Z. He's very good at the boundary. He's physical. Early breakout. If you don't know who Jaden Reed is, he played immediately as a freshman at Western Michigan. And on that team was Dwayne um, Eskridge. And I'm trying to think, who was the other good Michigan, um, Western Michigan wide receiver? There was another good one. I'm right the, what? Oh, Sky Moore. Oh, Sky Moore. So he played there when Sky Moore was there. He ended up transferring to Michigan State. He broke out big time in 2021. Put it in context. That team in 2021 was great with Kenneth Walker. And Jaden Reed had a lot of advantageous matchups and safeties had a deal with Kenneth Walker. Last year, Kenneth Walker was the NFL in Seattle. Jaden Reed became the focal point of defensive coordinators' game plan. The offense fell apart. Sorry, Michigan State fans. They did not play good football last year. They didn't have a running game. Jaden Reed's numbers come down. You need to watch three years of tape. I've went back and watched some Western Michigan. I've watched 2021 of Jaden Reed, watched 2022 of Jaden Reed. He's a very good ball player. I have a second-round grade. I think he's going to go at worst in the third round. I love Jaden Reed.
0: Well, uh, again, speaking, John's my spirit animal. Um, so <laughs> all, the, all these guys that you're talking about, Brad and I have talked about as far as um, you know, one of the things that uh, Moose Six talked about was Quentin Johnston and Jalen Hyatt are they're, they're they're your speed guys, and that's they're kind of the, the premium for the class. But the next group of guys. That offer that similar skill set that you're probably going to get later on in the draft, more day two, day three guys, are Marvin Mims and Jaden Reed. Um, both those guys were, you know, were talked about. Um, so I, I love hearing this for Jaden Reed because he's a guy that you know, we did a mock draft a few months ago um, with a bunch of guys and and. uh, one of the guys was there. It's was like, man, I've been looking at Jaden Reed. And I think we, you know, we missed the boat by not putting him on there. I looked at the tape a little bit and it said, yeah. And then all of a sudden I've just been ever since that day, I've been hearing his name, hearing his name. And so um, he's been moving up the board and I do think he's got a specific skill Um, but I think he can be a little bit more than that. Um, and, you know, in a class where there's a whole bunch of uh, little guys, um, it, it's difficult to separate them. Um, but his speed and some of the bursts that he brings to the table does, I think, separate him from the other guys. Brad, who do you got? All
2: right, so I'm going I'm going to my alma mater. I'm going to Penn State, and I'm going to talk about Parker Washington. Five uh, 10, 215 yards. He had a little bit of a down year this year compared to what he was last year, which I think is vital to where he goes. I want to see him be able to be a secondary receiver, being able to work out of the slot, not going to be that alpha guy. That's how, You know, if, if he's going to Houston and he's the only guy they've got, I'm, I'm going to start to get a little worried because that's not his skill set. But I'm going to tell you right now, I see a little bit of Debo Samuel in this guy. It is, I love everything about the dude. Go and watch the Minnesota game, right? The touchdown catch that he had against Minnesota, he just goes up. He bodies the guy, boxes him out, boxes him out, and catches a touchdown. Go to the Ohio State game. He goes on a slant route, catches the ball, plows through two defenders, and then runs in, has the speed to pull away and score a touchdown. I just love that game. We talked about it with Roshon Johnson. I love it with the – there's there's two kind of receivers I like, the, the route-running connoisseurs and the guys that just make people hurt. Right, And I think Parker Washington has that build – He's 5'10, 215. That's a pretty solid BMI from a wide receiver perspective. And he's gonna be a hard guy to take down. So maybe my Penn State fandom is showing a little bit, but he's my guy. <laughs> that's all right. Some some
0: of our guys that are on this list are a little deeper on Don on, on John's uh, model, but that's that's all right. Um all right, so, so uh it does hurt my feelings a little bit, John. Um <laughs>
1: No. But uh hey, this 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 wide receiver group, no one has the same rankings after number five. Like they, they they can be I've seen all over the place on different players.
0: Oh yeah, no, and I'm just picking on you. So as far as, no. as my guy, the, the first one that the first one I want to bring up is Marvin Mims, and he's another guy that got you know some special uh special shout out from the move the sticks talking about being on the field with these players and seeing them run and the fluidity, which he runs his routes. There's a lot of fast guys, but the change of direction speed separates people. If you're really fast, but it takes you forever to hit the brakes. That's not good. If it, if you got to make a right hand turn and and it takes you a little while that you're, you're wide on that, it's not good. And so he's someone that is, very snappy with his breaks at the top of his route, he's right back. And so um, you know, a big fan. And, and seeing seeing his tape after the combine, you know, you know this offense was just way different this year with all the changes they had. <laughs> um, I think Marvin Mims is one of those guys. Again, if you're looking for one of those stretch to field, you know, speed guys, you don't get Quentin Johnston, you don't get Jalen Hyatt that's going to be the guy that you're looking for, especially if you're shopping for that specific skill set. So uh, the next guy on my list, before we go back to you, Brad is AT Perry. And I want to bring him up just because I don't hear anybody talking about him. And this is a guy who was extremely productive at wake forest. Um, as far as, you know, as far as his production, you're looking at someone that had, you know, you stand here 171 games, um, He's scored touchdowns. He got he got in the paint and he played a lot of his snaps outside. And so there's not a lot of guys in this draft class outside of, you know, maybe uh, Xavier Hutchinson and, and Cedric Tillman that really played outside. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, played in the slot. I know that kind of that's where the game is moving. Take your best guy, put him inside against their third best guy. Um, but you like to see someone that has played that because when you're playing in the slot, you're not getting jammed on the line like these guys are. And so he's played against that press coverage and has, has had success against that press coverage. And that's the biggest question. When you look at guys like Josh Downs and some of these smaller guys, can they do that? And it's like, yeah, I, you know, Josh Downs answered that question of the combine was like, yeah, I did that in high school. I mean, I don't think that is a great answer, you know, like, <laughs> you know um, he did say, he did it some in, in practice, which we'll see, but you know, guys that haven't done that. And then I asked them, what kind of questions are people asking you? They're asking me about my, my, you know, release packages off the line and seeing if I can do that. And so like, that's the same thing they're thinking is can these guys play outside? Because there's only going to be so many slot receivers in an offense. You don't have too many cliff Kingsbury offenses with two slot receivers. So if everyone's a slot receiver, there's not going to be many places for these guys to go. And if you can't get on the field, we always say follow the opportunity. That's going to be a problem.
2: All right. So Brad, who you got for us? All right. Another guy that I'm way higher than the community on. And that is Rakim Jarrett, the high pedigree recruit in Maryland. Look, six foot hundred and ninety two pounds, decent size, especially with the wide receivers that we've seen come onto the scene as of lately. He's got good speed. He's got good quickness. He's got some dropsy issues this year. I'll give him that, uh, that he needs to clean up. But here's two things that I want people to go think about. Go watch a Penn State game. We've got a first-round corner in Joey Porter Jr. working for Penn State right now. And he scores two touchdowns on him, both on slants. Devon Weatherspoon, another top corner in Illinois that people are raving about, top 10 draft pick. He had some really nice plays against Devon Weatherspoon in in that Illinois game. So go back and watch the tape because look, Rakim Jarrett is not the problem with Maryland right now. Right. I think the Tuca Viola experience there is not going the way they wanted it to. Uh and you know, he had a much better season last season than he did this season, but go watch the tape. I think this guy can really be a good number two. And this is what when you're looking for third round picture, looking for guys that are going to be on the field, give me a guy that I know is going to get some plays, I know is going to get some catches, has a little bit of upside there, right? And I think Kim Jarrett is the the bell of the ball on the back end of that third round. Shit, we've seen him go undrafted in a couple of these mock drafts that we've seen, and that's just nonsense, just
1: nonsense to me.
0: So, so John, any, anything about those three guys?
1: Um, what I have Marvin Nims on number seven. I was going to recommend you can move them up the board because we only have 11 through 20. So I like Marvin Mins a ton. I agree with you on there. The reason why I'm a little worried about A.T. Perry, I've watched so much Wake Forest football in the last decade because their offense with Dave Clawson is just prolific, especially in the passing game but the receivers don't transition to the NFL very well. And maybe that's, you know, my own personal bias. So I have to admit, you know, I just, I've seen good receivers I like on film from the Demon Deacons, and then they either don't get drafted or they never get off the bench. So I'm a little bit worried with A.T. Perry about that. That's why it's there. And I'll say this, if you asked me a year ago in Debbie's show, I loved Raheem Jarrett. Oh, my God, I was so into him. He had such a bad year. And I know Viola's younger brother was not great. But, you know, sometimes great players transcend quarterback play, and I never saw that out of Jarrett. So that's why I just look at the body of work. It's good. It's just not great. I think he's going to go day three. And we know statistically a wide receiver is going to go on day three. Their odds are much lower. Now, if he goes in the third round on day two, I would move him up. But that's just what I think. My guy I'm going to then bring up, Bryce Ford Wheaton. I'll admit, West Virginia has not been very good, but they've had problems at the quarterback position. I did not expect Bryce Ford Wheaton to be this athletic. If you asked me on the film, I was not going to tell you he's going to be an Uber athlete. But let's look at the numbers at the Combine. 40, he is, so let me put in its totality. He is 6'4", 200. Oops, one second. My dogs are marking half a second. 6'4", <laughs> 221
0: pounds. And he ran a four three eight 40. Do I sound like John? <laughs> not, yes, not I'm quiet.
1: sorry. We have three Huskies. They just came home. And oh, you're all good. Excited, so I apologize about that. Um, he's six four. You met 6'4", 221. That's massive size. Now, when you watch the tape, he does look big. So he has the body and the frame of a boundary receiver. But I'll say this. He doesn't have the toe-tapping experience. He doesn't have, like, that uber back-shoulder catch, right? There's just some things you don't see on film. But Then I went, I saw him at the combine. I'm like, are you kidding me? A 438 in the 40. But this was what's more impressive. When you punch in that the three cone drill in the 20 yard shuttle, his numbers are off the charts for someone 6'4, 4, 221. 415 in the 20 yard shuttle of that size is crazy. He is so fast and bursty. Then a six nine seven seven like do we understand what it is like to get a six foot four, four body with 221 pounds and move it that quickness? He he has the athletic ability of a quick twitch athlete, he does not play like it on tape. So we have a conundrum. He's a much better athlete than he is a receiver, but if he goes on day two, that means an NFL team is banking on athleticism. And maybe some improvement in the passing game. I do like them.
0: Yeah, the NFL loves speed. And,
1: yeah, yeah, and you know
0: when you see someone like Tutu Atwell or Annie Isabella get drafted in the second ah. round, this guy can get this guy can get there in the second round. And I would have much more. Not that I'm drafting him in the second round of my rookie drafts, but at least he's got the size to go with that. The you're what you're looking at as far as you know a ball of clay to work with. And so um, when I see you know Tutu Atwell or D. S. Eskridge or those guys go in the second round, I'm like, okay. I mean, they, they may have something for that. You know, they may give something to that team, but they're not going to contribute to your fantasy team. And he's someone that, yeah, maybe first year he's a project, but, you know, we saw guys like DJ Chark and, and other guys that kind of came out of nowhere because of how well they were at the combine. And I always talk about when you look at the 40, always look at the weight adjusted 40. If you want to look at, you know, a fair comparison across the board, because a guy running, you know, four, three, eight at 180 pounds, is a lot different than a guy running it at
1: 220. That is an an incredible weight adjusted time. I mean, he is moving (laughs) as a man. And then look at the production model. You know, yes. 25% aerial dominator, 143 career receptions. Now, catch rate, 56%. But I'm going to put it into context. Someone named a West Virginia quarterback. I mean, that's all I've got to say. He's not playing with Joe Greer <laughs> and to a Tagovaiola, Kyler Murray. I mean, he's not playing with guys who are throwing darts right into his hands.
0: Yeah. And so uh, who's the next guy you got?
1: Oh, the last, one. I'm sorry. I was just going to take a trip. It is Xavier Hutchinson. I think he's a very safe pick. Now, the one red flag that I am a little worried about in this, he only averaged 11.5 yards per reception. Part of it is if you watch the tape, he catches it and he goes down. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I don't think he had any yak yards. I could be wrong, but he doesn't look like a dude who gets yak yards at all. But my model says fascinating sixty six percent catch rate, thirty seven percent aerial dominator. He's six foot two, two hundred and three pounds, and he's quicker than I thought. His straight line speed isn't fantastic. but a four three five and a six nine one in the 20 yard shuttle and the three cone drill is nice for a man that big. I think he has a big slot role in the NFL. I don't think he has a tremendous ceiling, but he has an incredibly high floor. <laughs> I think he's a great third re- third receiver with like 70 catch potential.
0: Yeah, and you look at, I mean, it's its easy to scout someone looking at the jersey and looking at the helmet because we talked earlier about, you know, the West Virginia or the Wake Forest and scouting the helmet. It's Alan Lazard kind of vibe, and you just hope it's not yeah. Keen Butler. Um, because Alex, you know, like you, Alan Lazard is not necessarily a fantasy football star, but he's someone that plays a lot of snaps in the NFL and can be serviceable. And he's a great blocker. I mean, this guy had 111 catches this year, this year, you you know, when you look at someone like Christian Watson didn't have 111 catches in his career.
1: Yeah. I'll say this. He had a Drake London season from the targets. It was silly. And I'm telling you. Not every wide receiver could take 111 targets and be pepper. I think he averaged, what, 13 and a half per game or something. You can't, not every receiver can do that. I mean, just that simple fact gives him value at the NFL level. You know, This is might be a good or bad thing, depending on your perspective. He looks like a New England Patriot. I mean, like, I know Belichick doesn't, you know, coach him up, but that looks like the type of guy Belichick <laughs> would like.
0: Yeah, and um, I am definitely a fan of Hutchinson, and I do think he could, you know, make a, a good two or three on a team. And the guy that I wanted to bring up was, was Cedric Tillman, and I know that he's a more a known commodity. But when you look at the ADP and you, you look at these mock drafts, people just forget how good he was, and it's a lot due to recency bias that has nothing to do with with his play. I know that he's not a burner. He's not, he's not a burner, and as far as the combine, he didn't light it on fire and didn't do anything to kind of change your mind or remind people. But he is hes an outside receiver. He is a tough possession receiver, and he does all the dirty work and all the things you're looking for with a wide receiver too. And so, you know, I, I put him in my latest mock draft. I put him on the Buffalo Bills and I think he's kind of, you know, you're looking at someone like Gabe Davis is very hot and cold and I think he's just a steady eddy guy that can make those tough catches. He's a, he's a nasty as far as yards after catch. He is one of my favorite guys to watch when you're looking at yards after the catch and watching these DBs just bounce off of him as they're trying to tackle him in open field and those kind of things are extremely important when you're looking for, you know, especially these cold weather teams and things like that. But you need someone you everyone's got all these fast little, you know, little receivers. You need a tough guy, and, and I think Cedric Tillman is that guy. He reminds me a lot of Robert Woods. Who you got for us,
2: Brad. All right, so we're moving to the tight end position now. Uh, oh, you got all your right. no, I've still got one more, don't I? Ah, yeah. I forgot about Rasheed Rice, he was the go. bottom of the list. That's why. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so Rasheed Rice, wide receiver for the SMU Mustangs. Coming in at six foot two, 203 pounds. Look, this guy's got over 2,600 receiving yards and 24 touchdowns over the last two years. Last year, 1,344 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. He has led SMU in receiving three years in a row, right? So that gives, he's the go to guy on that offense. He's not a big play guy, even though. PFF might disagree with me. Hey, 18 deep completions, which led the country. Uh, Okay, Uh, sure. He's not a deep threat. This guy's not getting 50 yard touchdowns. He's not a speed guy. It's all because he's got that ball, the ball skills and the body control to be able to body defenders out, and he goes up and gets the ball. He can really catch the ball in contested-type situations, and I think that's what results in him getting a lot of those receptions over 20 yards right now. It's not that he's burning guys and making a miss and all that. It's that he's really good at going up and snagging the ball out of the air. So, like you said, Dave... Teams are going to look for that teams want guys that can just go up and get the ball that he doesn't need to run go routes all the time or anything like that. So I think a team is going to be very interested in him. I'm hoping it's that late day two, no later than early day three uh, before I really start to get worried for him. But I do think his skill set would translate pretty well. I am worried about his separation because he definitely does not separate. That's not his skill set right now. And that could be very challenging especially coming from SMU and moving into the into the big leagues.
0: I will tell you where I put him in my mock draft. I did a three-round mock draft. You can check it out on com. John, I put him with the Atlanta Falcons. I think I put him in round 3 to the Atlanta Falcons and you know, they have Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but this is a guy that runs a lot of drag routes, bubble screens, tunnel screens, a lot of that stuff underneath and then he just he's a running back when he gets the ball in his hands, he's a big dude uh, outside. I want, I want to say Nikhil Harry, but outside he's not like he, the guy, the defenders are glued to him. And these are not Alabama defenders, Georgia defenders. And so that's an issue. But as far as underneath, when he gets the ball, like when he gets the play designed to him and he gets the ball in his hands, he is, he's hard to bring down and he makes things happen. He turns into a kick return. He's very elusive and open field. And I do like that part. So I think if he's used that way, versus an outside receiver, he's going to be a lot more successful and I saw him doing those kind of things that your your are that Arthur Smith has looked for with, you know, with some of the players that he's had before.
1: I like that pairing for Rashid Rice. What do I have? I'm number 10. It's number yep. 10 in my model. I do think he's better suited not to be the alpha I really believe that he is – this might not – and my comps are strange comps, just thoughts and ideas and how I watch players. I think he's Tyler Boyd and Cole Beasley kind of what all rolled up into one. Um, Cole Beasley was quicker off the line. I get that. But I think he has more home run hitting ability than Beasley does. He doesn't get a lot of separation. So I'll say this. He needs a quarterback who has chutzpah and will throw the ball to him. If you have, like, Derek Carr, who's afraid to throw it into tight coverage, like if you watch the Raiders, Derek Carr, you're like, dude, that's open at the NFL level. you got to throw the football sometimes, right? You just sometimes you got to throw the ball to a guy like Rasheed Rice, right? It doesn't matter. And I agree, the separation is not there on film. But there is no interesting, weird kind of conundrum, I think. After he gets the ball, he creates separation running the ball. So, it, like, you need that quarterback who would say, you know what, he's got half the step, he's open. Because yep. I don't know what Rasheed Rice does once he gets the ball in the hands, he hits a second gear, or he just knows how to shake and bake a guy. But he's really good. So, I, I think his ceiling is like 850 yards. But I think he's a very good receiver, just not a star.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. So uh, we got some quite a question, maybe coming from Scotty in the chat. But let's—we're uh, at the hour mark. Let's get through these tight ends. Brad, which two tight ends do you have for us?
2: Yeah, so I got two: Davis Allen out of Clemson and Luke Schoonmaker out of uh, Michigan. And I, I, I'm not going to talk about both these guys. Not hugely productive. Just barely over 400 yards for both of them. Very low number of touchdowns, and they're not really flashy tight ends by any shape of the imagination. But the one that I really want to focus in on is kind of Luke Shoemaker. And that's because the more I've watched this guy, the further up my board he started to creep. He hit that combine. Being 250 pounds, running a four six three, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. I think that shows on film. He's got good speed. They do a lot of motion routes with him uh, at Michigan, and it seems to work really well. He's able to catch that ball in space, hit that gear. He does remind me a little bit of a Dallas Goddard. That's who I see when he plays. Now, granted, he is nowhere near the production that Dallas Goddard had at San Diego or South Dakota State, but that's the style of player that I kind of see here. I think it's a guy that can be used in the seam. He's a guy that can also be used uh, off the line of scrimmage. He's He can be really used all over the formation, very similar to where how the Philadelphia Eagles are using Dallas Goddard right now. So he is now bumped up to my tight end four, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, and maybe after I calm down a little bit, he'll settle into that like six range, six or seven range. Uh, but right now I'm pretty excited about Luke Shoemaker.
0: Yeah, I, I like him on the short intermediate routes. He's tough, you know, tough, you know, kind of a, a guy that, that makes those third down catches or, or be a safety blanket for, you know, the quarterback. Didn't see him doing too much down the field, um, but he more was that chain moving kind of a guy. And he had a lot of attention at the combine. He met with a lot of teams. There was a lot of media presence around him. And, uh, you know, he, he looked good. Um, John, what, what are your uh, – oh, actually, Brad, who's your other
2: one? Uh, Davis Allen was the other one. Very similar, right? It's not a guy that's going to wow you with his athleticism, but he really does a nice job of just going up and getting the ball, right? Uh, and I think that can tra- you know, there's a potential that that translates to the next level if a team gives him the opportunity. He's not a great blocker, but he's a serviceable blocker, uh, and I think that can end up with some playing time for him and it can turn into a little bit of something. He's a little bit lower on my – they kind of swapped. So I had Davis Allen a little bit higher, Luke Shoemaker down, and the more I've watched, they've kind of swapped positions for the most part. Well, and, well, and you're, after- If your you're rookie draft is four rounds, you're taking shots at some of these guys in the fourth round, and I think they're guys that are worth looking at.
0: Yeah, and, and, John, I want to ask you about this. When you're scouting players and watching tape, college is so different because there's hundreds of different offenses that are being run. And with tight end specifically, you know, the tight end is one of the hardest positions to translate to the NFL. And we see that within fantasy football because it takes two or three guys, two or three years for these guys to develop and pop where the other players are just popping day one, even, even the quarterbacks are popping earlier, but these guys have to learn how to be alignment, have to learn how to be a receiver. And then at the end of the day, they have to learn how to be a tight end. And so, they're in the you know the meeting rooms for the offensive linemen, learning the blocking assignments, and then they're in the receiver room. And some of these guys have never been in a three-point stance. They've been, you know, receivers turned into tight ends, and now they're, you know, now at the NFL, but they were jumbo slots in college. And so, like, I don't really have I don't have the data to look at like how many of these guys played in line versus the slot. But when I look at those two guys that Brad said the first thing that came to my head was pro-style offenses. These aren't, you know, big 12 tight ends that haven't blocked anybody or just, you know, have been on the move tight
1: ends or, or jumbo slots. Anything anything with that? Well, I, the difficulty is you have to know the run-blocking scheme as well as the defensive, um, secondary, and you have to understand your <laughs> pass route adjustments. And as a very – you're looking at really two different skill sets When the transition. That's why I like a guy like Michael Meyer because I think he has the easiest transition to the NFL. I mean, look, it's hard with Kyle Pitts, right? It really turned out to be a bad system with Arthur Smith, right? But we knew he wasn't a two way tight end, per se. You know, he was your pass catching tight end, uber athletic. With a guy like Michael Meyer, he's going to be on the field because he's a smash blocker. So I like him real lot. Now, I have to admit, Brad, I overlooked Schumacher of Michigan, and that's my fault maybe as a Michigan guy. And when I popped him into my model, I mean, the numbers are so low. Yeah, I kind of said to myself, now, I will say this. The NFL will like him more than my fantasy model does, if that makes any sense. So he's a type of guy. Well, now that you mentioned him, I'm going to go look back again. I saw him just on short and medium routes. I didn't see a lot of big plays down the field. Part of that's Michigan's offense. I'll have to take into consideration athletic ability. But I'm, I'll like I'll I'll look a deeper dive. I would not be surprised if he's early fourth round. I mean, this is a very crowded NFL tight end class. But he would probably have a role as a pass. Look at you know he's coming out of Michigan, right? What can Harbaugh's linemen do? They can block. And if you can block at the NFL level, you're going to stay in the game. Who was the uh who is the wide the tight end for the Packers this year? Uh, the, no, no, the veteran guy, the guy who's been around forever. Oh, right. Mercedes Williams.
0: Lewis. Mercedes Lewis.
1: Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. That dude made a Yeah. He was a Jag coming out of UCLA. I remember him in UCLA. I mean, you're looking if you can block. And your big body, you can stay around the NFL a real long time like Mercedes Lewis. So I'll look at him in more detail. But I have two sleepers, Tucker Craft, South Dakota State. He can play, folks. He can play in the NFL. I watch him in both their playoff games on the national championship, the Jack Roberts, 6'5", 254. Now, granted, he's playing smaller competition. The athletes aren't as big. They're not as fast. However, I think he can transition to the NFL. It might take him three years, though. That's a big jump from South Dakota State to the NFL, but I like him a ton. And Zach Koontz is the guy who my radar is just flying. Like, I saw him a lot at Old Dominion in 2021. I think he was my number three college fantasy football tight end last year. And I had read that at Penn State, he was an uber-freak athlete. But he didn't get on the, on the field at Penn State transfers to old dominion he just blows up conference usa he's unbelievable and then he gets hurt so he kind of went off the radar right but you plugged in the numbers in december you're like "Hmm, interesting but man i'm sorry he had a home run he was silly good at the combine i mean four five nine or no a four five five it's six seven two fifty five a four one two in the twenty-yard shuttle, six, eight, seven. You know what? If it wasn't for Darnell Washington, we'd be talking about Zach Kuntz as the best athlete in this group. But Darnell Washington's such an athletic freak. People, people are missing the boat on Zach Kuntz.
0: Yeah, perfect ras score. The best out of what two thousand um, people, two thousand tight ends. And so um yeah, Koontz is definitely a guy. And so um he throwback tight end, when they asked him, uh, you know, who do you play like? He said, uh he said, I, I play like myself. I have a different body type, but he's like a player that I I loved growing up and that I still watch my you watch tape of is Jeremy Shockey. And uh that was before oh, yeah, he's yeah. after
2: your heart, Dave.
0: And so yeah, he had my he had my uh my heart once he said that. And uh Um, but yeah, he's a guy, people forget about the Penn state part and they just say, why, you know, but he was one of those guys that you're like, Hey, uh, why this guy from old Dominion get, you know, get a invite to the combine. Then you see him run. You're like, Oh, And
1: (laughs) And, and he was a power five guy. And if you know Penn state, I mean, Brad was talking about Penn state, whatever they're doing at the tight end position, they just had unbelievable athletes. He just couldn't get on the field with Pat Fryer moved on the team, and then they had Brendan Strange. They had a lot of guys they liked, and the bodies. It was, I think, a numbers game for of Penn State.
0: Yeah. So, um, so real, I'll do my guys in a second. Real quick question: Last year my first year in Dynasty. Squeaked in with a six and eight record and ended up winning with uh, with my my inexperience. I traded away assets, thinking I knew what I was doing. Getting younger and just screwed up. So, you know, we tell everybody kind of that one of the, the rules of new for new people, the dynasty is to not do as much trading because this is exactly the situation you can be in. But, you know, you ended up winning. So, you know, that's. You that's, got the trophy. Uh, that's hey, all. You did it, matters. it right. Fucking um, else matters now. You got the, the, the best thing you can do right now is, you know, kind of what the Rams are doing <laughs> is kind of realize where you're at, evaluate your roster. And and trade off some of those veteran players. I will say this: you're going to want to trade them for draft picks this year. Nobody's going to want your older players for draft picks this year, but they will want them for 2024 picks. And it's a great 2024 class. So if you have, you know, especially if surplus of the position, go get 2024 picks, and and you can get younger next year. You may have to rebuild this thing if it's that if it's that screwed up, but you may not have to. Um, it just depends on the roster. You can DM us at SG, SgPn Fantasy Football or at you can at me at Dynasty Dorks. Send me the roster. Let's uh, let's take it to the body shop and uh, see if we can figure it out. So if you don't have Twitter, then just DM us on here and uh, or send us a message on here with a way that we can find you. Whether it's Instagram, I'm also at Dynasty Dorks on TikTok. So as far as mine, I have, Sam La, I have Sean Laporta and, and I have Sean Laporta, and then I have Josh Wiley. And so the reason I wanted to bring up Wiley is, you know, he's someone that is, that's the, the seam stretcher, the Greg Dolce kind of a guy, got the speed, got the athleticism as, you know, similar to a receiver. And he's someone that just nobody talks about. And so this guy is, is someone that you can see when he's out in, in space, outrunning linebackers and the way that he runs and has ag- as agile as he is, He's able to start and stop a lot better than these linebackers where he creates space as almost as a receiver, but he's just much bigger, much bigger than a receiver. And then with Laporta, you're looking at a guy that comes from Iowa. This is one of the worst offenses in the country. But again, we talked about it before with Michigan, you know, with some of these other guys, you got, you got, scout the helmet and realize that these guys know how to block and they come from a pro style system and that's going to translate. And so I, I asked, I got to ask him the first question at the combine, how many teams you met with? And he was, he was counting for about 30 seconds because he's met with half the league. And what do you know? Next thing you know, I come home, I'm watching TV. Who does, who does the NFL network have talking to their, you know, talking to their analysts. It's Laporta. And he was the, one of the buzzes of the combine, and they're doing that for a reason. That means someone is telling them GMs and scouts are buzzing about this guy. And he doesn't necessarily have any, you know, superhero. This is his superpower. But this guy is just good at everything. You look at blocking, you look at receiving. I think with receiving, you'd like to see more consistency. But he made some wow plays. And in that offense, there was not a lot of wow plays to be made. It was just, like I said, just a pitiful offense that, you know, hopefully for Iowa fans gets fixed. Um, but Laporta was just someone that I wanted to mention. And like I said, Josh Wiley for his his receiving chops, I think he's very athletic and, and needs to get some mention. So we've gone way over.
1: <laughs> it's all right.
0: And so, um, you know, appreciate your time, John. Make sure you follow him. And make sure you check out the, the Rookie Big Board. It's one of, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, I just uh, was checking it out this, this week. And after I heard the, uh, you know, John was talking nice, but Matt was talking some smack about my guy, Kendra Miller. So I had to go check out that
1: episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm I like Kendra Miller more than Matt does. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing yeah. Yeah. guys like, oh man, <laughs> he hates Kendra Miller.
0: <laughs> so I, I definitely added Matt on Twitter yeah. and said, Hey, I heard you've been talking some stuff. Um but but no, for real, follow these guys two of the nicest guys and they work really hard and, and they put in a really put on a really good show for you guys.
1: So give them a follow. And uh, John, any parting words? No, I just want to thank both of you. I had a blast tonight. I appreciate it. I love talking about deeper players that I don't always get a, a, a chance to talk about. And I understand that you only have so many minutes. So when I, someone invites me out and they want the top five wide receiver. So we talk about the top five wide receivers. So I love digging deeper on this. Sorry about my dogs on my wife and I usually walk the dogs after dinner and they come in and they get all kinds of excited. So they don't know that daddy's on a on a show. So they want to go crazy. But no problem.
0: Nope. No problem. When we hear this back you'll probably hear my toddler screaming in the background too. (laughs) My kids
2: don't know either. So yeah. (laughs) So
0: um all right. Well hey give us make sure you guys any questions anything, give us a subscribe, give us a comment, check out our shorts. I got a bunch of mock drafts out there and as always good luck this season.
2: Cheers.